Well, good morning. Welcome to Sunlight Community Church. We are so glad that you are here this morning. And we are continuing in our series, Battling Unbelief. Uh, today we're going to talk about envy. And we want to, to change our minds and move away from sin that is really causing unbelief in the truth of what God says of that his way is the best way. And so this morning we're looking at envy. Envy can take away all of our joy. It can consume our thoughts. Envy is the big green-eyed monster. I turn to uh, famous Bible commentary, the Bernstein Bears. The green-eyed monster. We have a picture up there. Can you relate to this at all? Well, uh, I want to tell you the story about how Sarah and I got down to Nashville. So in uh, 1997, I joined a rock band called the Channel Surfers. I'll let you figure out which one of those is me. And uh, toured around all over the United States. It was pretty amazing, every one of the 48 uh, continental states. Lots of fun. Um, and then in 2000, that band ended, and um, so I started talking to some record labels and stuff, and it was lots of fun. You know, I got to co-write on the songs and things like that, but what I really wanted to do uh, was do my own music. And um, so through contacts I had made, I got a record label, um, a record deal with Forefront Records, and uh, that was DC Talks label and Rebecca St. James and Toby Mac. And uh, I was really excited because this was a big record label. It was the modern, cool one, you know. And uh, so Sarah and I prepared to move to Nashville to uh, really get, you know, the whole experience to do it. You got you to be there. Um, to meet with all the other people and meet with the producers. And so as soon as she was done at Grace College, we moved down to Nashville. I started getting together at the record label with the producers, started writing songs. We were just about to go into the studio and record uh, songs for my solo project. And my A&R guy went to Benson Records. And if you don't know what Benson Records is, it's like Maranatha music. We're talking Twilight Paris, Sandy Patty. Um, as you saw the picture, clearly I did not fit at Benson Records. Um, so we're in Nashville three months. Here's my dream, finally getting to do my own music, and my record deal falls through. Uh, but, you know, I was still hopeful. Uh, I've got all these contacts. I've got great music, and I'm going to start talking to people and get another deal. No problem, right? Um, so I started singing background uh, background vocals with lots of different great people, and that was awesome. Got to go all over with that. Uh, but what I really wanted to do was my own music. Uh, so after a year, Sarah had a social work degree from Grace, so she started working uh, with caretakers of people with Alzheimer's. And that, you got to have a gift from God and a calling to work with people who have Alzheimer's. It is really tough to always have the people you're working with die. And you just have to have a gift to be able to walk through that with people. 
Um, and that it was not Sarah's primary calling. Uh, what she really wanted to do was work with hurting girls uh, with life-controlling issues. So she starts, she gets on the internet and starts looking around, finding stuff all over the country, you know, where it'd be awesome to work with a ministry that worked with hurting girls. And she found one that was right in Nashville. So she looks up the address. Where's this place? I want to go check it out. It was literally five-minute walk from where we lived on the south side of Nashville. Uh, she goes over there. She gets the job. She's the assistant program director. 40 girls who actually live in that home. And it's an amazing place. It was great. It was her dream job. It was right down her, her gifts and her skills. She loved it. And so, of course, I was so happy for her. We just moved to Nashville for my dreams, signed to a record label. Three months later, I'm out of a record label and Sarah finds her dream job and I'm singing background for people. Uh, I was envious of my wife. Of course I was happy for her, yeah. Uh, but I was also very envious, you know. I, I wanted things to work out for me. Can anyone relate to that? Even somebody you love who, who God has given a great gift to, uh, it can be really frustrating and it can cause envy. So we want to look at God's word and see what it has to say about envy this morning. So let's pray. God, we're thankful again to gather together, to hear from you, to look at your word, to see how it is that you would have us live, not because of rules or because uh, you're a strict God that wants us to just obey you, um, but because you're a loving God and you love us and you care for us and you want the best for us and your way is the best. So forgive us, God, when we don't believe that and help us this morning, God, to see um, your truth, who you are, the truth that you are all we need. So God, we just turn to you this morning and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. So as Shannon said, if you're using your device, you can just go right to the app and click on the Bible. Scripture will go through to you version. If you have the Bible app, it's got everything right in there. If not, grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Psalm 37. We've got several passages that we want to look at this morning. This is one of the Psalms of David. Uh, it was a song, part of the first song book. I, know, I learned this this week. I didn't know this. Psalms is actually made up of five song books. Uh, it was like different hymnals that they had back then, and then they, they compiled them all to make the book of Psalms that we have in the Bible. So this is one of David's Psalms. Verse 1, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. So let's take a look at this passage. 
What's the first verse say here? Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Don't fret. Don't be upset and anxious about people who have things that you wish you had whom have gotten them in ungodly ways. This, this verse actually also shows us that we aren't promised all the earthly desires of our heart. Sometimes people in the world have more than us as believers. Let's look at verse two here. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. They may have a lot now, but you can't take it with you. This world goes by really quickly. And things you gain on earth, including youth and good looks, fame, money, glory, it only lasts for a very, very short time, and then they're gone. It's momentary. It passes away. But verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. You shouldn't try and take shortcuts and do unethical things that would gain what we think we need. Instead, we should do good. We should trust that God will take care of us and will take care of all of our needs and that he loves and cares for us and wants the absolute best for our life. We should be faithful in these things. Be faithful in doing good. Be faithful in trusting the Lord. Verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is a very often misused verse, right? You ever heard that? Delight in the Lord. The Lord, they don't even really often say the whole verse, just he will give me the desires of my heart. You know? But when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart and those desires will be for him. So this verse, right? Let's, let's talk about prosperity gospel. We all deal with this at times to different degrees. You know, some people believe they'll get that brand new car or the amazing job or that huge, beautiful house just because they're followers of Jesus, uh, because he will give them the desires of their heart. But clearly that's not what this verse says when we look at it in context of the entire psalm. There are those who have a lot more than us to the point that we wish we had what they had and we're envious of them. As it says in verse one, you know, we we're envious of wrongdoers. And God is not trying to fulfill every earthly desire that we have. In fact, what he's done is he's put a hole in our heart that can only be filled by him. And when we seek after him, he says we will find him. And the truest, deepest desires of our heart to be known and loved and cared for and to be secure and all those things are found in God. Sarah had a thought as I was explaining what I was thinking about this week. And um, sometimes we actually do have a need, right? Uh, but God can meet us in that need. He can comfort us in that need. 
And sometimes he, he gives us that need so that others can meet that need for us, um, for him through, through others. And we can, we can be blessed by the generosity that people give to us. And they can be blessed by being generous. But when this becomes envy is when we feel like we don't have enough and we want what someone else has. Let's keep going here in the passage. Let's look at verse five. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. So we need to make a commitment. It's not just a, oh, here and there. No, we have to follow through with doing life God's way and not our own way. Our way leads to jealousy and envy of other people, always wanting more and never having enough. But God's way leads to contentment, fulfillment, and peace. Our job is to trust God that he will act. But what happens often, we try and act on our own behalf uh, instead of waiting on the Lord to act. Verse 6 He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. Does that strike anyone uh, as like, wait a minute, he's going to bring forth uh, the light of my righteousness. He's going to bring it out into the light. Wait a minute, what about the innocent person who's wrongly accused and thrown into jail? What about the friend that completely misunderstands you and starts telling everybody that you're a terrible person and won't even talk to you, won't even work it out? What about all the injustices here on earth that don't seem to ever find the light coming forth of what's true? Well, the promise of this verse is not always right now. There's always a delay between what we need or want And the answer to that need or desire. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's longer. And if it's an ungodly desire, that's envy. So stop it, right? See it for what it is. So, wait patiently for God. Let's look at verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. We've got to wait on the Lord. We have to be still in his presence. We have to trust that he's in control and cares about us and will make all things right. That's not always right now, though. If we're eternal beings, then our focus needs to go beyond our brief time on earth. You see somebody else living however they want, doing it the wrong way, and yet all seems to be working out great for them. And you wonder why you're trying to live the way God has called us to live, and yet nothing seems to be going the way you think it should. Why do these evil people keep getting richer and more powerful and getting away with everything? You see this week all the stuff about uh, Jeffrey Epstein 
the, the billionaire who was arrested um, for sex trafficking and girls that were underage. This is back in the early 2000s. And because of his power and his money and his influence, he was able to get lawyers to basically get himself off with a slap on the wrist. And I was just reading an article this week in the New York Times that said that when he got out of prison, uh, he actually increased his stature uh, in the community of the wealthy and the influential because he started giving money to Harvard and he didn't even go to Harvard, but he wanted to wear all their sweatshirts all the time and look like he was important. He starts giving money to Harvard, starts giving money to scientists and throws parties with Stephen Hawking at it and getting his picture with them. He hired a person who it was their job to just make websites that said nice things about him. He paid off reporters to uh, post articles uh, that his, his guy had written. Um, and on top of that, the money that he was giving uh, wasn't even his own money. It was money that had been donated to his uh, his uh, foundation, and then he was giving that back out, and it worked. People were inviting him back to parties. They were hanging out with him. They were. He didn't stop what he was doing. He just. It was terrible. And now we we see the fallout, though. It, it took a long time, and you're thinking, how do they just keep getting away with this? So let's look at Psalm 73. We just looked at 37. Flip it, let's look at Psalm 73. Now, this one is by Asaph. He uh, also wrote some really good psalms. In fact, this psalm has tons of songs that have been written with pieces of it. Uh, but let's just look briefly here. Let's start at verse 2. Um, he's talking about how God is good to Israel, but as for me... My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. And verse 12. Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease they increase in riches. And he says, man, was it even worth it? Verse 13, all in vain have I kept my heart clean. I washed my hands in innocence. It seems that all of my righteous living was worthless. Living the right way, God's way, hasn't gotten me anything. But then he says in verse 17, but then I entered the house of the Lord. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places and you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. You know, getting away with everything on earth and having it all isn't worth anything in the scope of eternity. Justice will come and it is guaranteed and final and just. God's justice will prevail. 
And those who live however they want and do whatever they want on earth have such a short time of being on top. And even being on top, we're talking about being on top of the world. But being a gardener in the new heaven and earth for eternity is worth far more, infinitely more than being a billionaire on earth. What we have to have is an eternal perspective. In fact, by the way, we're all going to be gardeners in heaven. That's, that's the way God set it up in the beginning, right? We were to tend and to care for the earth, the garden that God had placed Adam and Eve in, to take care of it. That, we'll get to do that for eternity, and it won't hurt us. There won't be thorns, and it won't be difficult. It'll, it'll just perfectly bloom the way it's supposed to. So we have to have this eternal perspective. Are we looking at this tiny blip of time on earth and comparing ourselves and our perceived sufferings or blessings with others? Is our perspective eternal? You know that research shows that children who at a very young age that are seen to be able to delay gratification are the ones who grow up to be really successful as opposed to those who want it right now. Patience, planning, having a long run ultimate goal in mind over the immediate and momentary pleasure. That is what leads to building something worthwhile. It's not a magic pill. It's hard work. Everyday choices. Jeff and I were talking about this. Hey, how do you lose all that weight? Well, I started eating right and I went to the gym every day. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, not, it's not a quick fix. You know, it takes time. It takes work. It takes commitment. What we need is discipline. But we want immediate satisfaction and justice for the world to be, to be fair. Even though being fair, you know, this is one of the very first things we teach our children. Sorry, kid, life's not fair, right? And yet, we complain and we grumble and stew in our envy of others until we become angry and bitter. First at the person that we're envying, but ultimately we become bitter and angry of God because he is not being fair. We've worked hard and we've been good and we aren't rich. We haven't had perfect health. We don't have a perfect family. Why haven't you blessed me, God, if I've done what you asked? But we need to be willing to delay gratification. We need to be patient for justice to prevail. We need to wait on the Lord for vengeance. Our end is secure it's promised to be amazingly more than we deserve. In fact, it's not fair at all, if we're honest. We're getting way more than we deserve. We have to keep our eyes on the ultimate goal, the long play. We need to have an eternal perspective. So let's continue looking at this. Let's turn to the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6.
Let's start at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul's just been talking to Timothy about those who want to use godliness to get something. But he says in 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We gotta fight the good fight. We have to live eternal life now. Eternal life doesn't start when we die and are in God's presence forever. No, eternal life starts now. We have the chance to live the way he's called us to live and to fight the good fight. So as we see in these passages, there's the end of the world and all the stuff that they have. But there's also the envy that we have towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that looks different. So every one of us, right, that is a believer has at least one gift from the Holy Spirit. Really, we all have many, but I can guarantee you that you have at least one. First of all, unfortunately, we don't even actually recognize that that is a gift from God. We want to own that gift. We think that's ours, that this is something we've worked hard for Uh, rather than from the Lord, because really, we want to seek to steal the glory that God deserves for the gifts that he's given us. We want people to say that we're an amazing singer or a great teacher. We want people to compliment us on our, our baking skills and how we've blessed them with such amazing desserts, even though we do have some people here who make amazing desserts, so thank you. But we want that glory for ourselves. But in reality, all glory belongs to God. But we're trying to steal God's glory. And in fact, our bodies can't even handle God's glory. It can't bear it. Uh, Kirk Whalem once told me about this. He toured with Whitney Houston. He was her saxophone player. He said, you can't imagine what it's like to sell over 100 million records you you can't even comprehend what it's like to go all over the world to go to Japan and Sweden and Brazil and have people screaming your name and saying you are the greatest singer of all time it physically destroyed Whitney you know it first it's it's in the mind and like you just can't even accept this glory it's not meant for you and and our bodies can't even bear it it she was destroyed physically even by this and you you look at others that 
reach that sort of heights like Elvis and Michael Jackson. It, it literally physically destroyed the bodies. We were not built to be able to accept that glory. And you know, it's just, you see it, it's not right when you see somebody accepting that glory. Uh, there's a gospel singer that I really like, uh, Donnie McClurkin, and he came out this one time and uh, some churches especially African-American churches, sometimes they want to give lots of titles and they want to really hype somebody up before they come out. So this amazing bishop, pastor, singer, yeah, they went on and on. I, apostle, I can't, they, they named off every possible you know, title that you could give somebody. And he walks out and this is this huge church in a big auditorium and everyone's cheering and clapping and it, it just blew my mind. He walks out and he, he went like this. And, and he like leaned back into accepting this praise and glory. It was just so clear and obvious. You know, here he is, this gospel singer who's singing about God. And he wasn't pointing that, that glory up to God. He wasn't even like pretending that, like, oh no, it's all for God, it's all for God, you know. <laughs> no, he wasn't even pretending that. He walks out, he put his hands on his hips. And just lean back and let the crowd keep going for a while. And I was like, wow, watch out. <laughs> when we accept God's glory, that is stealing God's glory. But even though, you know, we know this, we, we feel this, we see it, we still want that glory. When we see someone else's gift bringing them praise, and we want that praise. We want that gift. And so we want that glory that they're getting and we get envious and we wish we had what they had. But really, that glory that, that belongs to God, we should be giving glory to God for the gifts that he's given us. And we should be giving glory to God for the gifts that he's given other brothers and sisters, other believers. So both the gifts that he gives us and the gifts that he gives to you, I should be giving glory to God for that. Because when we're envious of what someone else has, it's because we want that praise and we want acknowledgement and glory that we think they are getting for that ability or gift from God. But that glory belongs to God because the gift is from God. And when someone uses their gift from God for God, we should give glory to God for their gift. And Sarah said this to me, you know, you may be thinking, well, I don't, I don't want to be up on stage. I don't want the spotlight. I don't, I don't want all that glory. But do you want to be seen as a good mom? Do you want to be known as a really hard worker, one of the best workers at work? Do you want people to think you have a nice home that's clean and well put together? Do you wish you were prettier? Or you wish that... You know, you, you weren't so chubby so you could see that six-pack underneath all of that. If you actually have a six-pack under there, we want to believe we do. So how do we find freedom from envy and seeking our own glory? That's the ultimate question, right? Okay, we see this, but how do we practically do this? And freedom from envying our brothers and sisters in Christ comes when we thank God for their gift from him and give him the glory. 
when we recognize where the gift comes from and who the glory belongs to, we don't envy that other person. We marvel at God. How amazing he, he is, how loving he is to give us gifts that we can enjoy and use for his kingdom and for our pleasure. We find joy in our gifts when we use them for him and for his glory. So uh, there's this uh, radio uh, host and this NBA uh, writer and reporter named Chris Broussard. And uh, Chris is actually a believer. And so I'll try not to get too technical here, but the finals MVP of the NBA wanted to change teams. It's a huge deal. Some people consider him the best player in the NBA. And Chris Broussard goes on the radio and posts online, my sources say it's a done deal. Kawhi Leonard is going to the Lakers to join LeBron James. He's going to L.A. Well, Chris was right about one thing. He did go to L.A., but he went to the other team in Los Angeles. He went to the Clippers. So uh, the important part of the story is he starts getting killed. I mean, Chris Broussard, the, the reporter, Oh, you said he was going to the Lakers. You know, your, your uh, sources are terrible. It was all lies. You don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, and I heard him on the radio this week. He said, you know what? You didn't give it to me, and you can't take it from me. It's something they say at his church. You didn't give me the joy that I have, so you can't take away my joy. When we let other people or things bring us joy or happiness, when we lose those things or we perceive other people have more than us, we lose our joy and our happiness. But if we receive our joy from the Lord, it doesn't matter what the world says or what they have. You can't take your joy away. So where are we placing our joy. Are you wanting God's glory? I just want to take a chance right now to really ask ourselves some tough questions. Really listen to God for the truth. Are we feeling like we own our gifts? Are you envious of someone else's gift? sick and tired of the world getting richer while you feel like you're barely making it? Where is envy taking hold in your life today? Let's just take a moment and, and listen to the Lord. Let him speak to us. Search our heart. Where is envy taking hold in our life? God, we love you. We want to follow you. We know that your way is best. But we confess that we often want to steal your glory. We're envious of other people. 
We're envious of other people's gifts. And we're envious of people around us who are using any means necessary to get more and more, more than us. And we wish we had those things, God. We admit that it's true, but we want to seek you, God. We want to find our contentment and our joy in you today, this week, God. We want to praise you and marvel at you and give you the glory for the things you've created, for the people you've created, and for the good gifts that you've given us that we can share. So God, help us this week to give you the glory for all that you've done. And we pray that you would take away the envy that comes into our hearts and turns into bitterness. God, we can only do this with your help, so we pray that you would do this in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.